All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? My name is Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Today on the show, I talked to uh, John Dwyer. John Dwyer is the front man, the man, sometimes the only guy. I don't know. It's a complicated thing with John Dwyer. His band, The OCs, puts out records as OCs, sometimes as OCs, spelled O-C-S. He's been in other bands. He's got his own label, but uh, he's the real deal, man. That new OCs record, or is it The OCs? OCs, O-C-S, that goes way back. And then The OCs is uh, most of the, a good bulk of the records. Like the last two Last year, uh, a weird exits and an odd entrances, both great, uh, were out as as the OCs, and now he just released another one in August uh, by just OCs. So, yeah, and his label is Castleface Records. It do- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's all pretty interesting stuff. It's all good. The last couple of records are great. They're they're all good. I mean, I and there, you know, there's been a lot of people in and out of his bands back in the day, back in San Francisco, going way back, going way back. I think they were. Uh, I we'll talk about it all. There was a lot of different names, but the OCs is really what he's uh, what John is known for. And Ty Siegel's a big fan. That Bay Area crew. Uh, Sarah the painter was back in the SF back in the day. When they were uh, coming on, that the Dwyer uh, experience. He's an event man. He's a he's a he's a marking post of something original. So I talked to him today. That was a hell of an intro. I, I don't usually do that big an intro. Uh, Seattle, can I tell you to please come on out to Third Place Records in Seward Park this Saturday, November eleventh at seven p.m. I'll be there with Brendan signing copies of Waiting for the Punch, Words to Live By from the WTF podcast. It's our last book event of the year, so we hope to see you all in Seattle, WTFers. We hope to see you all there. Also, I have a correction to make, like I'm really hung up on this shit. But uh, the last episode, those of you who listened to me ramble on in the beginning about fried scallops and chipino at a place that may be called Joe's, I was mistaken. I was, I was mistaken, and I've been there a lot. It's called Jack's Fish Spot in Pike Place Market behind a fish, a fish cellar. So that's that. Jack's. I've corrected myself. I don't know if I'll get there, though. I got one day, man. I got one day in Seattle. Then I'm back at it. I could stay longer, really. Because it seems that I'm not in this episode of Glow. Seems like I got a few days off, but I got some things going on. It's a sad day around here, man. Today, like, you know, things are going all right. The world is, you know, still ending. Uh, But Buster's gone again. Buster ran out the door last night. And I don't know what to do, you know. I mean, I can just walk around and call his name so much. But I I always get the feeling that he's gone for good. Anytime a cat gets out, I'm, I'm sure it's over. But uh, it's been 24 hours. No, it hasn't. It hasn't, actually. Maybe he'll come back. All I can do is wait, call out his name, Buster Kitten. 
But I don't know what the fuck to do, man. You know, you have these cats. My old guys, they don't even try to get out anymore. And I was looking at something. I had some shit in the driveway. I held the door open just a little too long. And I just saw him, you know, just worm by and wander out. And it was too late. So, fuck. I just have to accept that if that's the life he wants or if he got eaten, that's what can I do? I'll go out and look around. I'll keep calling his name and hopefully he'll come back. So fucking sad, man. It's, I mean, you know, there are sadder things, but just, you know, there's just things that you don't need. I don't need my cat to be gone. I don't need one of my cats to disappear. It just fucking stinks. I've had a lot of them go. La Fonda and Monkey are fine. Big head with the big balls. He's around. He might have chased Buster off. Scaredy cat. He's been around. I've been feeding him sometimes twice a day. I don't know if he scared Buster off. Buster's a, he's a greenhorn out there. He doesn't have chops. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the wild chops. He's got no game out there. Maybe they'll all come back, but I got him inside when he was about two months old. So I don't know what he's capable of. He's a smart fucker. Not smart enough to, you know, outrun a pack of coyotes. But I don't know. Maybe it's innate. Maybe he can handle himself. I always think the worst. I hope he comes back. Buster! Buster! I used to, you know, the last time he got out, I could hear him squeal. He has a weird squeal. Buster! Buster! Fucking sad. So, what's happening? I'm going to, uh, yeah, we're going up to Seattle. Seattle, I love Seattle. I, I used to like it even more. I used to just have fantasies about keep going north. Just keep going north. North of Seattle. On upward out into the islands, out into the water, get away, go to where it's just poetry all the time and dampness and, and creeping clouds and darkness and beautiful, brisk water with sea animals. Yeah, freedom, man. My house is falling down. It's falling apart. I got to make a decision, man. I got to get out before the whole thing crumbles or... Or do something. It's a tiny house. I know this garage is mythic. I know this garage is where everything turned around and my life changed and it's got its own sort of, you know, reputation. But I think we got to accept, we got to accept that maybe, maybe I'm the component. Is it possible that I'm the component that makes it good, not necessarily the structure that I'm in? Is that possible? Is it? I don't know, man. I guess I, I wish I had more to say. I, I think I'm a, little, I'm a little broken up about the cat. You know, I tried to pretend. I pretend to be a tough guy. I pretend like I can just dismiss it. Like, hey, man, you know, this is just the way it goes. Sometimes these cats, they hang out. Sometimes they don't. But I was getting to like that guy. You guys have been through this with me once already. But I was getting ready. To, I was getting used to that guy. I liked him. And if he doesn't come back, I'll be sad. So I'll just have to see if he comes back. It's weird. You just don't need added sadness in this day and age. So I think we can get on with John Dwyer now. Uh, Dwyer uh, has a new album out, Memories of a Cutoff Head. It's coming out November 17th under the band name OCS, OCs. He released an album under the band name OCs earlier this year called Orc. He releases records. Him and Ty Siegel are like the record-releasing madmen. They're very similar in that way. And I and I don't know. I would think that Dwyer is Ty's mentor to some degree. That's how I felt it. That's how I see it. They both live down the street from me. 
And uh, when I listen to all the Dwyer stuff, I, the evolution of it, like, it's good, man. It's good. And he's a mile a minute dude, active brain. Uh, for those of you who don't like when I talk, this one's for you. <laughs> for those of you who like when I talk, that's all right. Just ride it out. Dwyer's got a lot to say. He goes. It's me and John Dwyer. I just got a record, uh, uh, Jeremy Spencer and the Children. Do you know that record? Jeremy Spencer no. was the other guitar player in the first version of Fleetwood Mac. He was the no Elmore kidding. James freak, right? Yeah, right. And... Uh, and this record, I just saw it yesterday over Permanent, and I'm like, what the fuck is Fucking this? Fucking Permanent, man. It's like going to a yeah. crack cocaine store. And it turns out it's this record uh, that he did in 1972 after he joined the Children of God cult. So it's Jeremy wow. Spencer, you know, that guitar yeah, player yeah, yeah. who played with Peter Green and these people from the cult. They're the, they're the backing band. Yes, yeah, I like, I you got to so. give it to old school cults as they always had a band. Like, that's a problem. Like, you know, I don't feel like a lot of these cults nowadays are actually getting out there with their rock. Yeah, they need some more music. I would love to see a cult doing like electronic music now. At least let's upgrade. An electronic cult. Yeah, just like techno, techno cult or something. But like... I, th- I guess you're right. <laughs> I think in the 60s that the music was so integrated into the message of, mm-hmm. of, of transcendence that it was almost necessary. Yeah, we don't right? have that so much. I don't anymore, think so anymore. No. Like, it was, it, the entryway was the music. It's hard to imagine Katy Perry. And yeah, right. Like a right. polygamist sure, no, cult not, scenario. No, it doesn't, doesn't work. It's, no. That's like a, a immediate satisfaction kind of music. Oh, it's not, all about the. It's all power. about the bread. It's all about the. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. about the. Uh, I'm sure she's a nice lady. I don't know. Her. Yeah, no, but yeah, but you, pop have music, you had her on? No, had... <laughs> I have not. I don't know Katy Perry. I don't know anything about her. I have been listening to Adele Records and Lord Records. Hey, Amen. They, they're uh, both really interesting. They are uh, right. They're but they're they're the exception to the rule. I would say. I guess so. I remember when I heard Lord, I was I was like, I'm fucking surprised I like this because somebody was like you haven't heard it I was like no and they played it for me and I was like and I don't like shit anymore no. I'm like I'm just I mean when I see something I like I really like it yeah, you yeah, know yeah. so it's always a pleasure to see like a band I don't right, know and be like right. fuck finally yeah but I've been just doing it for so long I see so much music that when I hear something like that that's actually quite popular You're I surprise myself because I'm like oh I an old man actually can like this music, you know, like it's cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I can dig it. She know? goes pretty deep, I think. I'm, I'm sort of She's like. just in, interesting. Exa- that's, that's the bottom right. line. It's it not is. just the and same a, old, same old. It, and makes, that's it goes a long way for me yeah, yeah. to have somebody being innovative or, or like. A, or odd. Or like even earnest. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's yeah, just like a yeah, person. Yeah. It's, she was kind of dorky right out of the gate. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So I don't like. I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out where, like, I know exactly how I got turned on to you. Like, I, I somehow or another, being the old man that I am, I miss some chunk of music, you know, somewhere between like 1998 and, you know, three years ago. It was kind of a terrible time. <laughs> but, but you were very prolific during that time. Hey, dude, I don't have a job. And then I go down to, I, I'm, uh, someone turned me on to Ty Siegel, mm-hmm. and I guess it was Lance when Ty was still working up at the old, other old, the old permanent. Mm-hmm. And then people started mentioning your name. And then I got, I think the album I came in on was the one with the all the eyes and teeth on the cover. Floating uh, Coffin. Yeah, floating yeah, yeah. coffin. So that's that's where I start with you, and then like not unlike a lot of musicians I talk to, I, I try to do a little research, and I'm like, oh fuck, there's, there's a like, lot. N- there's like a hundred other records. Yeah, I apologize. No, I, don't I am apologize. Pers- I am personally one of those people that people are like, how many records have you? And then they're like, geez, that's a lot. That's like a, a lot whole of lot of salary for me to spend on records. But then you sent me a lot I of good records. I to steal it off the internet if it's too much. I'm like, just go to Pirate Bay. It's there. But, but where'd you grow up? I grew up in Rhode Island. Really? Mm-hmm. What part? Uh, I grew up, I was born in Riverside, Rhode Island, which is just kind of like a little trashy waterfront community. It's kind of awesome. I have like a lot of early memories from there. 
And then my mom moved over to Rumford. We lived on the this river, the Ten Mile River over there. And then I moved to North Providence, and that's where I started getting into music. I saw like uh, people from RISD. Because I was there, I was I was doing I started doing stand up on the road, doing one nighters around that Providence. area. I did, yeah, Periwinkles in Providence. Periwinkles. Oh wait, in Davos Square. Fucking a, yeah, I remember that joint. <laughs> See, that was one of those spots when I was a kid. I would ride by and I'd be like, "What goes on in there? Is mm-hmm. it a strip club? I don't know." Yeah. I never, I never got to go to any comedy until I was just about to move out to San Francisco. So I was probably like 18, 19 when I started. How actually, old are you now? I'm 42. All right, so I'm 53. They stole my car in Providence. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and yeah. I did shows in like Melody. I grew Ro- up in Cranston, the, Rhode Island. Uh, Cranston. The Cranston the, Bowl, where, I believe that's where the Buffon was born. Uh, there's like certain hairstyles that like the women there still are I, rocking. I did a show at the Cranston Bowl. I remember. A bowling alley in Cranston. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Well, it was like they- It's like did, doing a clan rally or something. Sure. You're like, I've been all the way to the bottom. Exactly. Well, they book <laughs> out these one-nighters, you know, and, you, and a club- So somebody would, just booked the joint Well, the they, there were subcontractors that that's a that was the way the business worked there you'd, you'd have you'd work with these companies that would book one-nighters at these places that wanted to do a comedy night mm-hmm. so you just show up i remember that's awesome I, I, there's comedy's a good like that though you guys can like get right set in up there. shop real I quick know, and know. you know what but people, people like not. to have oh i'm sure it's got to be a bruiser too but <laughs> if you can get somebody laughing then you got them for the night you know what yeah, i mean if you hold them right yeah 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 but the reason i remember cranston is i had there was a sort of a monumental horror show i used to do this joke about cranston uh, was a rough town but no they were fine it was packed and the first night was always good when they do a comedy night because everyone in town would come but mm-hmm. i did a joke about a plane crash and some woman screamed, you know, don't talk about plane crashes. And it was like, Bleh. that's see, that to me, that's like my mom right there. Like, she will be the person, like, I'll be sitting next to her and she'll just yell out and I'll be like, right. Jesus, mom. But like, I she'll knew. say exactly. Yeah. But I knew exactly what it was because why would it be that? Like, she had why lost somebody in a plane yeah. crash. So I had to deal with that. Did you just lose somebody? No, like, no. Yes, oh, she, she did. did. She did. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> you didn't. No, but like, she did. And it was one of those moments where that I was must like, happen all the time as a fucking comedian. No, Everybody knows. Yeah, what are the odds, dude? My Son's deaf. Like what, no, no. I mean, <laughs> plane crash is pretty extreme. But yeah, that, yeah, I thought I had. You know, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, and I just—it was a horrible moment of you silence. You dug your way out of it. Well, I just said, all right, I'll just do my cancer stuff now. <laughs> Nobody has cancer, thank <laughs> well, God. Well, that cancer is like a little more accessible. Family died of cancer. Sure. Yeah, a little more accessible. Everybody knows yeah, it. That's right. So you're in Providence. You're like, what? Uh, what kind of what kind of life you live? And your dad's not around. My dad is is up in Massachusetts. My mom had me when she was 18. My dad was much older, so they didn't last long. But they're they're cool, you know. I don't think they we're cut. in Massachusetts. He lives in Rehoboth, which is like what? right on the border of uh, like Rhode Island. It's not, you know, Rhode Island uh-huh. is like forty square miles or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like so you're uh, a real New England guy, really. Yeah, I grew up full New England. Like uh, I didn't, you know, lobster rolls, clam bakes. Yeah, yeah, stuffies, yeah. all that shit. Uh, <laughs> Caw hogs. I mean, yeah. like Family Guy. The cartoon is yeah. basically based on my town, and there's all these things, little bits in there. But I'm like, I know what that is. I know what that is. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, I think that dude probably went to school out there or something. But Jimmy's, yeah. Fraps, yeah, all that. Yeah, it was uh, New York System Weenies where uh, this guy like builds hot dogs. On, like It'll be like right next to his armpit when he's serving you. <laughs> but people, you know, it's funny. I bring bands through there. Like a kid, you like, brought these like Aussies, uh, this band Total Control through there. And through I was, Rhode Island through recently? Rhode Island for, no, this was years ago. But it was like showing them little bits of things like, you guys got to try these hot dogs and then be like, oh. oh. before you moved out, you mean? No, this was this was after I'd already lived in San Francisco. But like, like watching like Australians eat like the thing from Prom. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, man, yeah. I've never had anything like this sure. before. You can have that experience when you go to Australia. Yeah, too. yeah, There's yeah. A few the things. Fight a shark. So what was the scene? So like, I, uh, so I'm trying to picture what year it would be when you're sort of coming in alive. I like 98. So it was probably like 96. And the bands coming through from RISD were like who? 
Uh, at the time, the bands that when I was young, the first bands I was seeing that were really good out of Providence were like Lightning Bolt, who have been around for fucking ages. Uh, there was that band. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of bands. There were the the Leo brothers, like Ted Leo and, and Ted. Yeah, Ted Leo was and the his pharmacist. brother Danny Leo was going to school there, so I lived above Danny in a warehouse. Really? Yeah, he's great. He's he does bands still. Um, it was like Arab on Radar, and there was a band called Dung Beetle really early on. Uh, I can't dro- remember Dung Beetle. Drop, Be- Drop, De- uh, Drop Dead uh-huh. was from Warwick, Rhode Island. The, yeah. like, the, one of the Warwick. biggest like grindcore, hardcore, like political-punk bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up watching those right, guys right. at all-ages shows when I was a kid. All-ages shows. I hear a lot Six about those. Six-figure satellite. Thank God uh, for all-ages shows. Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be sitting there Yeah, right. right now, Spawned you know? a whole generation I of music I, guys. I would own a bank if it wasn't for like going to see like <laughs> Flam at Club Babyhead when I was 16. Club and, Babyhead? And, Club Babyhead. I can't believe you never performed there. What a, every band I mentioned. Like, it was after me. Got like when I, I talked to like that guy Bob Weston from Shellac. I run into him sometimes at festivals. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. And somehow like Club Babyhead came up and he had the same reaction. Like he's a little bit older than me, I think. So he, I had gone to see like a band he was in when I was a kid. And it's the same reaction from everybody. They're like, everybody goes, like they'd forgotten about it. And they're like, Club Babyhead. Jesus Christ. Like, everybody's just like, what a shithole. I'm like, yeah, that was like, like a really small was room. It? Just like a black, small box with yeah. like, like the bouncer would be like, come on, come on, come on, just like shoving kids in. And then they Little just- punk rock kids. I saw, yeah, I saw like the cramps there on Halloween one year or right around Halloween. Like, wow. Yeah, ton, tons of metal bands. There was a, band, a place called The Living Room there. I remember had, the like, living room. The living room. They probably might have had comedy. They had like uh, like Flotsam and Jetsam. I and that was swear in to Rhode God, Island? I may have seen Slayer there really yeah. early on. I remember the- In the, Providence, yeah. In Providence. Yeah, and then it's moved on to a bigger joint. I don't know if it's still still there or not, but- Because uh, when I was in Boston- was real small. Yeah, when I was in Boston, there was a lot going on musically, and now all those places are, are gone. Like there was that whole area down by the Causeway Street where there were lofts and there were mm-hmm. bands that played in the lofts. Yeah. And then there was like the Ratskeller was still around. Yeah and uh, Storyville and T.T. to Bears. T. T. And all those joints are gone now? I don't know if T.T.'s are. I think the Middle East T. T. is still there. The I don't Bears, know if T.T.'s. I, I remember just going to that joint and I think I got in like younger than I was supposed to be so yeah. I just like stand on the corner the whole time when I was like I was real young there. In and Somerville? Like, just Central keep, Square, I keep think. Keep my head down and I won't and get got kicked in? out of the show. Yeah, like I was like Sebador, like Harry Pussy would be. Sebador. They would never play in Providence because it was just a small town. So, I mean, a lot of bands came through Providence. Like the, we, the, the guys... we end up in Boston all the time to see shows. I actually so, was going back to play for the first time in like seven or eight years. We're playing in Boston next month. Yeah, I'm already getting emails from dudes like, "Dude, you're fucking dead when you get hit." Like, like really? Boston Ice just being like, "I'm gonna rip your face." I'm like a little scared, you know? Like, <laughs> why? What are they? I, I mean, it's it's a, it's it's a in a loving way, oh, but you okay. know how Boston sure. can be like. Oh yeah, they're man. like just like you fucking quiz. I'm yeah. gonna come over there. Very you're specific. Like, oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, so you were like the first band. So you're going. You're a kid in in Providence, and you're running around. And Providence is pretty heavy, but I don't know if it cleaned up since. Since I hear it's nicer now. More more mob run when I was a kid, right? Maybe or at yeah. least back then, more on on its sleeve like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You'd see the mayor walking down this. Buddy Cianci was the mayor when I was a kid, who'd yeah. been like convicted, put away like a double felon, and then got out and they reelected him like promptly sure, upon sure. getting out yeah, of jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, His yeah, daughter yeah. used to come to our house and like buy drugs off my neighbor and like just such a small town. That, right. like, I remember I never wanted her around because I was, she would party so hard I was afraid she was going to die at our house and I was like, if she dies here, yeah, with, we're, we're dead. Fucked. Like I was <laughs> like, this guy's terror- terrifying and like, and she was also a very commanding that- person so she'd be like, I'm going to party here and that was it. You're like, okay, well, this- I'm going to leave. Like, I'd be like, oh, at least I could be like, I wasn't there. Is the mayor's kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's a, that's a horrible feeling when you're partying with somebody and you know they could die and you yeah. just don't want to be around she for scared that. the shit out of me she was more friends with my roommate at the time but i remember being like dude this is not a good idea man you know like having like it's like having like cops at a party like, yeah i don't yeah, know right. this feels like this could go either way yeah and that you were already playing by then no man like i didn't really play you had roommates so you're out of the house you're out of your house i moved out of my mom's when i was 17 my mom i had a half brother yeah. that she had with another man that was pretty disabled and like things just got like a little tumultuous like there was like yeah you know like she needs to take care of my brother but right. she still does so yeah. like but we're cool yeah you're <laughs> me and good. my mom are tight yeah super, I talk so you're out time. on your own at 17 you're living the life yeah like uh i just wanted to you know basically at the time i just didn't want to go to, i got out of high school i didn't want to go to college i wanted to do drugs and i was selling what the, drugs what were the drugs what were the... uh mostly just like acid and weed was like your the acid guy thing. yeah like never got in i never liked drinking when i was a kid yeah, even, yeah. which kept me out of harder drugs i always yeah. felt like the gateway for things like cocaine and stuff would always be like booze because you'd be like fuck it why not (laughs) yeah you know so i got lucky there was a big wave of heroin that came through providence and i somehow got real lucky and didn't get into that i think i tried it twice and i was like this isn't i was like i I threw up why did yeah i didn't like puking (laughs) and i remember being i was always like more like let's get this party bumping and then like everybody be like nodded out i'm like this shit sucks i'm I'm the same way it was all cocaine but booze you know but acid you so you were like a uh, you're a, a comedian there's very i can't think of any real junky comedians it doesn't seem like those oh there's two. some yeah yeah you're sure like, there's like there used to be guys slower that, guys oh no yeah well well the guys you know how it goes those you know people learn how to work on that shit yeah you know what i mean professionalism yeah there was the real junkies know mm-hmm. how to ride it out but there was a lot of comics that needed to do something before they got right. on i get it's a heavy set man I yeah well steve uh, steve kravitz used to get off stage and he'd wander around going like was i on yet <laughs> <laughs> that's like the highlight of the night right there yeah, yeah, was I, how was i well no a lot of guys worked pretty like mitch was pretty mitch hedberg yeah, was pretty heavy but he was also the exception of the rule across the board like that guy always looked at him and been like this guy's on everything yeah. he had totally golden but it's weird when you listen to his shit like you know the simplicity of it and the sort of childlike uh innocence to the way he observed things mm-hmm. you know heroin definitely you know quieted things down for mm-hmm. that dude he like, was i mean i remember the first time i heard him there was nobody like that guy he was, yeah. he was a total original and it holds up mm-hmm. i mean like his like it's weird that's so rare that comic comedy holds up mm-hmm. you know like music a lot of music no, it's gets... totally true, man. Like you hear like Lenny Bruce now, and it—I mean, he's oh, you got to get a glossary. Yeah, you got to know. You got to put him <laughs> in the context. He was just a, it was a totally different time. His anger was from a different place. Yeah, he was... mixed Yiddish in, and all the political references were what they you were in show business. You, know, <laughs> you definitely need a glossary like for Lenny footnotes Bruce. for the comedy. Fuck thing. yeah, man! You just—if you listen to that Berkeley concert, you're like, hold on, yeah. <laughs> pause it, stop it again. The fuck is he talking about? It's like the Ulysses of yeah, comedy. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot like that. So when did you start? With oh, let's talk about the acid though. Like, were you one of those guys that could do it three, four times a week? Yeah, I mean, when we were selling, we were taking it quite a bit. I remember. Was it good? Yeah, we were. I mean, we were getting blotter mostly yeah. from Boston. We would drive up and get off a guy that was supposedly friends with a chemist. You know how right, it was right. with MIT, that kind of shit. Was MIT involved? Yeah, always. With any time <laughs> I did a new drug, they'd be like, "This is called DMT. It's like a naturally occurring substance by this guy. You know, uh, from created MIT, at a lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the you know, and then acid went away for so long, and now it's making a comeback. Is it? Like I remember. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're of that age now where nobody offers you acid anymore. I, but I remember thinking, I was like, time. Well, "Yeah, good for you." Yeah. I remember thinking like, man, I haven't heard about acid in a long time. And like that day, some guy with like a tie dye and frizzy hair was like, do you want some doses? And I was like, it's back. It's back. Yeah. Here we go. Turns out you can take acid as a 40 year old man and get away with it, but you just need a good comfortable place. Right. But I, but did you do it? Yeah. I tried. Me and my girlfriend took it in Hawaii. It was really nice. Yeah. Hawaii. I mean, come on. Sure. You're okay. I'm Kauai. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what could go wrong? Yeah. I wasn't watching TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't in a city. I wasn't in a a, a house party on Halloween or something. Not a lot of people talking to you. That could turn 
person evil. I saw, I'm pretty sure, was also yeah. on acid. She yeah. was like <laughs> digging through the sand for like four hours, and I was like, "She's cool. We're fine." She looked over and gave me a thumbs up. I was like, "There you go. <laughs> you stay over Good there. Luck. Yeah, yeah. Hope we don't find, find any money." <laughs> but wait, what was it like? A twelve-hour run? No, I, you know, it's funny. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm older, but my metabolism, my metabolism has definitely slowed down. But I remember it being way more of an obligation. But that was across the board with everything. So right. like, you know, I remember you take acid and like nine hours later, you're like, "All right, already for fuck's yeah, sake, yeah. like, how? What is this? Yeah. An all-day affair?" Let me like, down. I'll never be able to work again. You're having these thoughts like, if this is it, I'm <laughs> fucked. Like, I can never go home again. And this was like, you know, it was speedier than I remembered, but yeah. it was really enjoyable. My girlfriend had never taken it before, and it was really funny to watch her. What really were that mostly? Just, what were the visuals? Just trails and lights? It was actually pretty mild, yeah. um, but she she was pretty hilarious. It was like a really perfect day, too. Like, we'd had really nice days the whole trip. It was the last day we were there, and it was like one of those like pink sunsets. Oh, yeah, And it was yeah. like last what, what hours. We're on Kauai. That's where I go. That's great. It's, yeah, it's super we just went down there. Like, yeah. I, unfortunately, the last time I went down there was right after Trump was inaugurated. So I was pretty sure we were going to be traveling back to just blood in the streets. You know, uh, Hawaii's been on the right side of history for this whole thing. Though. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I definitely. fighting back, which makes me so sick because Hawaii's got that quality. They're like, fuck that. But if I, like, because of my brain, if it just goes the wrong way, the idea of being on an island away from you everything. You have to stay there. You have to stay there. <laughs> and what could go wrong on an island? It could when be it worse. Turns on you itself. could be on. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I can't even think of a, a no, bad no, island. I, I, Most islands right. are pretty good, I They're think. pretty good. They're pretty. It's beautiful. That's Kauai's where you go beautiful. in a zombie apocalypse because you've got water on all four sides. Sure, and you hope that the, the, the people on the island don't turn zombie. I yeah, think that's yeah. where my brain always goes right to that. What if these this, people turn? Yeah. You just got to go in and clear house. You go in with your machete and sort it right. out. Oh, yeah. How long did you stay down there? Uh, we, we go down there for like maybe a week or so every year. That's about every it, right? Years, yeah. 10 days We try is and about like it. mix it up with places. Like we went to Cuba last year, the year before. How was that? Before? Have you been down there? No, man. It's a trip, man. I've, well, uh, it just when, whenever I have to like avoid American Airlines to get any place, it's sort of like, that's a step I don't want to deal yeah, with. Yeah. Do I you mean, have to go out of Mexico? No, we actually did it legit early oh, right on. Right when JetBlue we, did yeah, the thing? We, we didn't do JetBlue. We did, fuck, I can't remember what airline it was now. Probably like United. It was like a bunch of airlines were like dumping just on. for a vacation. small, but it was like lots of Cuban were coming over and like going back with like like the I swear to God the plane on the ride back was full of HD TVs like everybody had these like big flat screen t- like everybody yeah was like finally we can go to the states and get a goddamn flat screen and bring it back home <laughs> like it's crazy the things that you know the things that they have that they granted. do really well there yeah the shit that we have that these people want is like shit that well what was your experience there what did you what did you feel it was really really hot um it's a beautiful place yeah the, there are a few things about it that kind of blew my mind like one thing in particular I was curious about how music would be there I know that like you know jazz and Cuban music are very you know from there yeah. that's their pride and yeah. they obviously do it better than and cigars yes yeah, cigars yeah. yeah but uh the music is crazy i didn't see i didn't hear not once any rock and roll or any rap or any radio music from here no contemporary pop or r&b nothing just bum, 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 just cuban music bum, and jazz yeah there, we saw one night an improv band play at a place called zoro's that yeah. was in uh, havana that was really uh, they were actually amazing but it was crazy that none of that shit has permeated the, over there. I, I've heard stories about like there being punks there. Yeah. But it seems like a place that'd be really ripe for that kind of shit to be like, to hey really guys, push it. This yeah. is ACDC. And they're like, holy shit. And like, did but, you bring some stuff for No, I didn't think kids? to. Actually, when I was originally going over there, I was yeah. like, maybe we could play a show there. And when we left, I was like, we're not playing a show there. I was like, that's just doesn't feel right to me. And I was like, I'll play anywhere. But Cuba, I was like, I don't know if they're really, like, A, I don't know if they, I think they'd probably fucking hate it. Or they'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, I've been starting to get in. I I've been getting into jazz lately, and I haven't really hit that the whole Cuban thing that much yet. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely its own thing. It's really that groove I mean, is its own. It's groove. about seeing it live too. I think like there's a lot of people playing on the streets down there. Like at night, there was just a parking lot that would have shows. Right now, and these guys would bring a PA in. Yeah, and it would just be neighborhood people hanging out. I mean, there's like 
it's so hot there and people have so little that once night would fall, people just come out of their houses and sit on the street. In right. Havana in particular in Havana. Right. Um, you know, the city's got really crazy. Like a building had collapsed like a block down the street from where we were maybe like a couple months before we were there. And it was just still on the road. Yeah. And they just put like a couple cones around it and then people start throwing their trash in it. So it just was this massive trash heap with like of rubble. But, and, and the trash. other thing that kind of blew my mind about Cuba that was pretty awesome was that I swear to God, there were pedigree homeless dogs. So they'd be like a beagle, like a hundred percent beagle, just fucking filthy with like dreads, just being like, Hey buddy, like yeah. do you have any snacks? And I'd be like, that's or the, or I like, deserve respect. Yeah, or I'm like a, a dachshund. Like really? I was like, when do you see like a homeless dachshund? Like that dog's out there fending for itself. Why do you figure that was? I have no idea. Huh. I, have, I don't know if people brought dogs there back in the day, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of homeless animals there. I mean, people just don't have a lot of money there, so they probably can't yeah. really like afford it. They're taking care of their family more than themselves. But you stay kind of in like Casa Particular, which is people's homes. Yeah. So for like 20 bucks a night, you can stay in a nice joint. They have like a bedroom set aside with an AC in it. It's like a real grand thing. Did you rent an old car? No, well, we took we took old cars from city to city because I I, I loathe taking a bus. Yeah. I don't know, it's like a weird affliction I have. Where sure. I can't get on the bus. Uh, buses are a little uh, sad. It's, you've got to be either be yeah. You're yeah. either you're either the bus person or you're not. I can I can fly. I can take a canoe, but for some reason the bus has always been like I'm like nah, I'm cool, man. Really but we would take, take a, a cab. canoe down the coast. It'd be like a hundred bucks <laughs> to take a cab for like six hours. Yeah, you know, he'd like drive you to the next city, and then the two times we did that, it was a guy with like an old fifties car that yeah. was like totally refurbished yeah. uh, by, but their style. Uh-huh. And they're like manufacturing their own parts. You know, like they're, they're not like outsourcing any of this shit. They're making everything there. Well, so they like had all, to. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly the story of that whole place is they've, the necessity has driven them to where they are, you know, like right. the things they make and they're good at. But the dude would drive us to the city and then he'd be like, when are you going back? And we'd be like, oh, we're going back in like three days. He'd be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll hang out. And he's like, just call me in three days. I'd be like, you're just going to hang out in this other city. He's like, ah, I got friends here. Like, people are really chill. Don't there. keep the meter running. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, don't do it on my account. We could just catch another guy. He's like, no, nah, you know, my, my ex girlfriend's here. I'm cool. So, so he was willing to wait for Twice, 100 bucks. Two, two separate guys just came and they're like, ah, fuck it. I'll drive. They would, just, they would, they would cab around that city yeah, for yeah. a few days. You know oh, what I mean? get it. Yeah, yeah. Because like, so it kind of works everywhere. So when you start like uh, playing in Providence, what are you playing? Uh, what clubs you mean? Well, no, like what music? Oh, back in the day. Yeah. Um, the first... Because it seems like you've moved through a lot of stuff, and it seems that to me the album, not the last one, but the one the one right before the last one, uh, which one? Uh, weird uh, weird exits. Like it seems like the production is a little cleaner, and yeah. like you've like kind of fully integrated everything you've worked towards into it. Yeah, it's been a slow crawl to like getting to this like area of like incorporating all the uh, like yeah. There's some there's some noise, there's some psych, there's a little punk, but the lyrically it's different. The singing sounds cleaner. Just and moving that, ahead a little bit every time. I'm right, not, but I'm the not production's different, right? Am I, I think wrong? That was Chris Woodhouse's last record that he did with us, and uh, and you've been with him for years. Yeah, me and him worked together for a long time, and he uh, he's. he's He's just gotten, I mean, it's just like in anything, somebody who's gifted will, you know, in a perfect scenario, get better at what they do. So he was getting better and better and better at recording, almost to a fault at points where, like, I would always be pushing back and be like, let's just dirty know. it up a yeah, little. Yeah, and he'd be like, he'd be like oh, like, come just see him, like, being bummed out. I'd be like, come on, man. I'm, the, I'm figuring this out. Fucking, yeah, Stop yeah. Stop dragging I mean, me you back. Save that for your pop project, you know, but, like, but <laughs> at the same time, it made for clarification and things. And also, I think it helps with us get a little bit out to a wider audience because not everybody's into like 
real like face banger well that's a, the weird thing like even if i talk to ty and then i talk to who else do you know cronin i talked mm-hmm. to uh i went to, to i went to older uh, guys. uh with both those guys we went to uh, uh medieval times last night what, what is is that so what? i've had the crazy medieval diarrhea all morning from with that <laughs> no with don't eat in medieval times is all i'm saying i, it, I would never is that a theme place <laughs> yeah it's like you know knights sure, in armor and shit sure, fight. yeah yeah uh, it was Charlie Moothart from Ty's band's birthday. Oh, so and that's we where you there. went? Yeah. Well, well, the, well, that's the interesting thing because both <laughs> you knew world. both of them when they were kids and they both looked mm-hmm. up to you and, and they both went very different directions because like when I... Oh, like, yeah, everybody's you, branching out from the center of Well, Cronin, it's like he makes pop records, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're clean and they're produced yep. like that. They're layered. That's they got his hooks. aesthetic. You know? Right. And Ty does everything that Ty does, mm-hmm. right? Ty's very much his own thing. <laughs> right, but I think he definitely took your template of of how to engage hey, I mean, in music. I mean, it was like San Francisco was really thriving at that exact moment, so everybody was sort of like pulling inspiration. Yeah, I, I, I missed really that whole lucky. thing. We yeah. got really lucky at that time because there were just so many... I mean, there's still a lot of great shit happening in Oakland and the Bay Area in general, but at that time, there was just like everybody was doing a band. All, and and all, all different, different kinds of music. Yeah, well, let's sure. get to there through like... But the art rock element, like when you say that early on you were playing at Mass Art and that some of the noise stuff that you use... Like that world of music, it was totally inaccessible, really, mm-hmm. except to like a core group of that's weirdos. The more, the more uh, alienating it was, the more interested I was in it when I was a and th- kid. And that's when you, that's how you started doing that kind, kind of, of stuff. Yeah. But I also have always had a real pop aesthetic myself, so like I'd like try and like make a poppy version of this like. Yeah, you know, like I always loved, I loved metal, but my yeah. favorite metal bands were always ones that had hooks, like Iron Maiden or some shit. Sure. That's still very poppy. You know, you're like yeah. fucking yeah, like like you're a metal kid. Yeah, super into metal, super into... I mean, I went to see all the metal shows when I was... They were the... I don't know if it was out of what was available to me, but that was a lot of the all-ages shows were metal and punk shows. Right. And I skateboarded, which I sucked at. And at, at. that time, they had sort of come together in a weird way. All that and shit, tra- like skaters were like handing out tapes and shit. Right. Even uh, but metal and early punk. rap as well. Like yeah, lots yeah. of like public enemy got really huge in like the young white crowd in Providence, uh-huh. you know, like shit like... like so bre- you remember like that. Reaching over, yeah, yeah. you know, boundaries and stuff. So what was the first uh, what was the first band? My first band was called Krang, and it was with this guy Jeff Rosenberg, who later did a band called Pink of Brown with me. That was the first band I did when I lived in San Francisco. That was a duo, but me and him played with uh, like one of the guys from Lightning Bolt was in that band for a while. This girl Kara, uh, who Kara Hyde, who I think she did a band called V for Vendetta years later. Like they all kind of went on to do their own things and moved all over the country. Yeah, but that was kind of like a guitar angular guitar poppy rock band that was like my first foray into not just playing in my basement but playing live and learning and playing I, guitar you were playing guitar playing guitar yeah. yeah and then i started playing for about a year i played in a band called landed out there that was yeah. vermaform that was sort of more experimental those guys are actually still playing every Ver- now and then. vermaform vermaform which was this band men's recovery projects label yeah who were real like total weirdos like original <laughs> all the way like they're all really funny and, and great and talented guys and like what's a point of reference to the Sam music. McFeeters who's the guy who actually ran Vermiform back in the day is, is around down here now I think I think he lives in Southern California yeah. still uh, and he is mostly these days doing like writing and art I think yeah. uh, but he still does bands too he's just like one of those guys like a jack of all trades but, a, but also like but the, but he the, comes from like the smell school and like that kind of vibe of like all ages punk cheap but right. also like but not like complete. political as well right you know? but 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 lyrical not complete noise or art not music. noise no it's like he had other bands too like uh but i mean he always it was political but not noise no it was like and sort of tongue-in-cheek too like those guys had a lot of comedy in their band yeah, like they yeah. would dress up like really ridiculous and sure shit. it was always a different show like he would show up one time he showed up and read the whole procl- proclamation 
uh, Abraham Lincoln dressed uh-huh. as Lincoln, right? You know, right, right. And, and bored the shit out of a punk crowd. I watched him do like we had like a scroll. And he's like, and then the and like people are like, the fuck is happening? And then the band played. But that like, if you talk to Mike Watt and some of those other dudes, dude, that, that guy's that, awesome. He's the best. Yeah, he's nice got his guy. own language. Great guy. Just, that dude is moving like at the fucking yeah. speed of light at all. But times. like, what what we what they call punk rock as a style was not what punk rock was when it was used as a an uh, as a a genre term punk mm-hmm. rock just uh it kind of was an umbrella term for anything outside the norm yeah. anything arty anything like weird try- extending themselves yeah the because if you listen to the minute man that's not like what you would call punk rock if you heard today no. but that was what punk rock was it was just dudes just doing original whatever fuck they want exactly yeah, yeah. that was the it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't so much a sound as a, an aesthetic right seems like you know what I mean? so you kind of came up in that just what was guy, left a, of that guy, a regular looking like you see some of those old punk bands that always blows my mind when you see like the weirdest i can't even think of one to reference right now but you see like the, one of the weirder punk bands. Then you see a picture of them, and they're just like fucking dudes that Regular have like dudes. factory jobs. And you're like, sure. That's like what they did when yeah. they drank beer was to play these punk songs. <laughs> exactly. In particular, I guess Mike Watt and the and those guys. You know, it's like those yeah. dudes were a bunch of blue collar looking dudes. dudes. Not- and, the, and the music is in. It's sort of un. It's hard to explain the 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 Minutemen. Those records. They're, they're great. A, they're a unique band, and nobody ever really sounded. They're like they're. It's like them. You got like Per Ubu. Like these bands are. You're like Per Ubu. What is where this? is that you know, coming yeah. from? Yeah. But they seem to have launched a lot of like Per Ubu. That oh, kind all of- those bands made a million. A million. It's like a, what is it? People was it? I forget who made the famous quote about the Velvet Underground. It's like maybe Eno or somebody yeah. being like yeah nobody liked this band back in the day but everybody that ever heard them made a band right like all these people hear this shit and that's kind of what it was for was just like liquid inspiration well, like pure ubu doesn't that lead am I wrong to TV on the radio in a way you think sound wise yeah I could see that a bit like really uh, reaching for it vocals yeah and yeah, shit. yeah yeah I mean that pure ubu is just they're like a weird and bird that dude's on still own. around yeah right? I, he's still f- playing shows as far as I know I don't know my, my, my bass player said he uh was working at Amoeba when they did an in-store and he said it was real. Actually, yeah, they are still playing because I met the drummer recently. He's got to be my age, man. But he's he said be... he said the guy was totally cool. He was told by his handler not to look him in the eye. And Tim, my bass player, is like a real subdued, chill dude. He's like, here, he told me not to look him in the eye. He's like, I'm he still, seems like he still might be freaked out by a little, that. A little like spectrum dude. Yeah. Like, like you know, a little like in a different Beefheart world. or something, just like a commanding a band and everybody's like a little bit freaked out by it. Or Beefheart. like Marky Smith, you know, you get that guy that's like, this is my 30th drummer. And the drummer's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. You know, like, <laughs> I, I am definitely, like, I'm friends with Mark Riley now, who was in the fall at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And I've met Mark, uh, Marky Smith a bunch of times from playing with him back in the day. We were label mates. Yeah. And they're both awesome dudes, but, like, to hear. He's the main guy in the fall? Marky Smith was the main guy who, yeah. like, just, like, has, like. I've got, the, like, four of their records. Because you know, Ty was, like, yeah. his bandmates yeah. and shit. Like, if you read his biography, it's just, like, a shit-talking yeah, yeah. manifesto. You're like, what the fuck, dude? But. Mark Riley talking about him being like, I was like, hey, can you put me in touch with Mark again? I haven't seen him in a long time and I want to like send him something. And, and Mark Riley was like, wow, that, he's like, that dude doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> I was like, all right. He's like, very rare. It'd be very rare if that dude got in touch well, What with was me. about them that w- was so important? They're much like the bands we were just talking about. Like nobody just, sounded like right. them. And if they did sound like them, they were ripping them off. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just one of those bands like completely original like there are those bands that like uh like tie likes like pink fairies chrome hawkwind those, those are all bands that were innovators in those sounds you know what right. i mean like right hawkwind who the fuck sounded like hawkwind but hawkwind same thing with motorhead like let me split off from them yeah motorhead and, was the fastest hardest band you know yeah, yeah. Like the band like 
they so these all were like original uh, things. pioneers, yeah, astronauts. Absolutely. They were like the grandfathers of these like subgenres that are branching off ever, ever. And yeah, because like the the subgenres that you guys draw from Krautrock and all that stuff. Like I kind of knew like someone years ago when I was young said you got to listen to Can, and I remember <laughs> I had the tape when I was uh, maybe in my twenties, and I'm like I can't get there, I can't get. It. It's like, the only thing I'll never get sick of. I don't know what it is about that. Well, band. now I'm into I it. still can listen to fucking records over and over and over again. I have to like stop myself and like go on to. I have to be like, oh no, listen to Black I think Sabbath for a month, right? Like, just well, same guy gave me Eisenstadt and Newbotten and that kind. Yeah, like yeah. it was like there was, was a, somebody who was like, just try everything. Try yeah, yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. You get, get out there. This is you know? raw horse. This is crab genitals. You're like, all right, fuck it. I'll just eat it all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I those are all quite acquired tastes. What you just described. Your yeah. buddy's like, oh, right, anchovies. But I had an open mind to it because when I was younger, I mean, I could walk into the residence. I could walk into Eno. I could walk mm-hmm. into Fred Frith, John Hassel. That first wave of arty fuckers. Yeah. But like uh, I at the beginning, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it until until uh, fucking Lance and Ty, and this is recent. But they're like for well, me, well, there's a resurgence. All these LPs are coming back. People are right. actively searching out these records, and right. you know, records cost forty bucks a pop now. Like some of them, <laughs> yeah. And Dan over at Gimme Gimme, he he gets me into the sort of like the more the quieter shit that mm-hmm. uh, of that that the the new the records that no one had ever heard before mm-hmm. by bands that that were just never made it. You gotta love uh, you gotta love those guys who are like uh, curators, guys and girls are just like uh, hunters. Yeah. Like I, I walk into permanent all the time. Lance will totally fuck me over. Yeah. Because I'll walk in just to say hi and be like, I'm not buying anything. And he'll be like, oh, but dude. And he'll be like, wait, yeah. wait. Oh, yeah, and he'll yeah, pull yeah. up like two yeah. things from the counter. He's like, yeah. just listen to him. That's yeah. all. Just, yeah. just, it's like the guy yeah. giving you your first taste of smack. He's like, just, just, yeah. just smell it. Yeah. Just have a whiff. You and know? you know what, dude? It always sounds better in the store. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I now I'm of that age where if I like it in the store, I like it at home. I finally oh, know yeah. what the fuck I like. So when you started, you're just playing straight up like uh, metally punk. Or- <clears throat> no, I mean it was really still pretty poppy. It took me a long time to get no covers. Pro- no, although if, I think when I was a kid, I would have scoffed at that. But now I love a cover band. I swear to God, like I saw uh, years ago, I saw a Pink Floyd cover band. I just fucking enjoyed the shit. Out of- when the fuck am I going to see Pink Floyd <laughs> doing like early '70s Never. Pink Floyd? And they had a light show, and the guy had Roto Toms. They were playing like Dark Side of the Moon. It was great. They did. It. I'm into all that shit. I like all those yeah, classic yeah. rock bands and stuff. But I, uh, you know, my friend did a David Bowie cover band called Blowy years ago that was terrible but really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just like six dudes sort of half-heartedly Doing learning Bowie. Bowie songs <laughs> and then just like a guy in his underwear running out in the crowd. But it was like kind of like a punk version. But it was yeah. really, I love that shit. You know. So when do you like? So how many bands are you in before you like make the leap and like go west? Um, well, that was a funny thing. It was in Providence. And did you do records? Are there records around that the you can get? The first record I was on, I guess, was with Landed on Vermiform, Sam McFeeder's label. I yeah. was a 10-inch. That was the first vinyl. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. I did, before that, I was doing OCS, the original version of OCS, but that was just noise. Yeah. So I was doing, like, homemade instruments and shit like that, or, like, electronics. What was that called? It was called OCS. That was, uh-huh. like, the original version of OCS, which was, like, the phonetic. And what dro- what drove you to noise? Like I said, when I was a kid, like anything that was more alienating, like that was like, it was like the, to, in my mind, the obvious next step from punk and metal was to go into like hard noise. And I remember the first time I saw like Japanese noise bands like Masana came over and played in Boston at uh, the Playhouse. Which yeah. It's like a totally inappropriate venue for this Japanese noise guy. There was like 30 people there, but seeing this guy do his thing live was so exciting to me. And uh, 
just and original just, again like it was like it was like uh, post music kind right. of in my mind being like like so not you, even you, music concrete but just like really aggressive like this guy was like he would he ran on the crowd and was like throwing tables to the crowd and it was actually a little bit scary and like so it's probably like writing i want to fucking do that performance you know? art yeah, yeah performance and also like also, there's like all those stories about those guys in japan in japan in particular there's a huge wave of this noise yeah. music early on. yeah it's like uh was it uh, Hana Tarash maybe like or was it I can't remember who it was but somebody like drove like a uh, like got a bunch of people in a room and then drove a bulldozer through the wall while like everybody was like waiting yeah. for the performance right. to start like sure. terrorizing yeah. the yeah. crowd the bulldozer that was a, really that's usually a, that should I, be a closer yeah, somebody should have died wanna, yeah, you don't want to open the that show that wasn't the opening band now the opening band was just a guy <laughs> with uh, just a guy doing throat singing but uh, you know that was punk to me was like but you knew, like, you must have known then, like, was there, did you feel like there was an affectation to it? Because, like, you're a very skilled player and you're a skilled songwriter at this point. Not at the but time. The, I know, no, but, I like, sucked back then. But did you think <laughs> you were going to pull back from that or that that was it for you? No, I always wanted to do different shit. Yeah. I, early on, like, I played with, like, hippie dudes. I played with guys just making beats. I mean, I never really gave a shit. I was always into playing with whoever wanted to play. It didn't matter where you were coming from or who you were. Like, I love, that's what we've been getting back into. I've been trying to get more back into the root of it. That's why things are getting jammier with us live and stuff is because when i was a kid especially with guitar and like synthesizers when yeah. i first started playing we would just jam it was right. just and it was really a lot of it was about doing drugs i'm not gonna lie it was like right. doing drugs to hang out and make music to do drugs right too you know what i mean right like the spaceman 3 vibe was totally on point where you just get high to make a song to listen to when you get high next time is <laughs> very that's that's that's, that's jay spaceman yeah manifesto. it's fucking genius it's like yeah. i mean it, i mean it's maybe a bit shallow but it's fucking true so you got to give it a little bit well, of they weight. made some good records hey man. man that guy's still around like spinning records wearing oh. a hockey jersey like i i, I powerful don't, do man. you know him i've met them a couple of times like i met a i met a sonic boom i think and yeah we've played festivals with like those dudes do varying projects i'm not super familiar i'm not gonna lie yeah well, he did that one. He did a record store day release with that uh, Kid Millionaire, that drummer. Oh, that guy's amazing. Yeah, Jay Kid Spaceman. Millions. Kid Millions. Yeah, yeah. he's from uh, Oneida. Who yeah. were fucking fantastic back then. A great, super underrated band. Yeah, and that, really that record's pretty wild. The I saw them in Providence. Records. They yeah. kind of blew my mind. Yeah, that that band. They had like a huge American flag that they it looked like they'd stolen it from like a car dealership. Yeah. It was like a hundred feet across. Right. And they set that up, and then the singer was like climbing on it and like ripping shit off the ceiling of this club in Providence and uh -huh. I just remember being like oh. and then watching that drummer just like lay it down like non that dude's a machine he's yeah, a badass yeah. no, he played it. for one time at a festival he did a thing where he played drums for 10 hours straight oh my god yeah they're like he's playing he's still playing and I was like oh, I'll go see him in 6 hours I was like I don't need to fucking be there for the whole thing I want to see when it loosens it's up it's like watching Sting Wings fuck you're like I don't have all day like I'll can you call me 20 minutes before it's over and I'll come yeah, see get, the end yeah I want to see the closer yeah the money shot yeah yeah just like a one china symbol Onada was the name Onida Onida yeah was the band. really good live oneida yeah he played in that and it was like him an organ player really nice dudes nerdy new york yeah like but, good good new york music like yeah new york should in my opinion always have a couple of the those strongest bands. shit because it's new york it's where the velvets came from yeah, so many bands yeah, and yeah. then like you know you I want wonder. new york to be like fucking that's where everybody should be making music where you're like what is this is that happening anymore i don't want to say I, but I, I mean i will say what i what i like there is very strong but mm -hmm. i have it's only because i have such high expectations of new york you know oh, the, the people the, there that the mythology energy, of new york yeah exactly that yeah. city is romanticized but it yeah. is like i love going there and just walking down the street in the yeah, fucking snow it's still and you're like, good, yeah. like yeah. if i could if i could have the wherewithal to live there i'd be like i'd love to make music here you know like, yeah just to have that backdrop but i don't think it's the same city anymore well it's just like most cities in america now are, are uh being sold you know like, no doubt you know, and I don't even know who lives in New York anymore and you were in San Francisco at the end of it yeah San Francisco really? I mean I lived in a 
house for nine years that was one of the best parts of my life and then had to move into a house I loathed for the last two years in a neighborhood I didn't want to be in. Well, Living so, with people I wasn't excited to live with. You so know. you do the noise record. When do you move there? When do you go to San I moved Jersey? to SF in, uh, uh, when I was 23, so it was in September. I think it was like September 12th, 1998. What was like, the first record there? Cool Death of Island Raiders? No, it was. I was doing a band called Pink and Brown. Pink and, and Brown. Where's yeah. that name come from? Why that name? A ter- just a terrible idea that came to fruit. Like it's like every now and then you come across an idea like it's not a good idea, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And it was just me and this dude in lycra body suits. Uh-huh. Oh, we were really? in disguise. Yeah, it was actually really fun. And we did. We played for like a year, and nobody gave a shit. And then we broke up and put out the record. And then we came back to play a show, and suddenly there were like 300 people at the first show. And like, pink and brown. Pink and brown, yeah. You can look up some videos. It's yeah. pretty fun shit. Yeah. Lycra suits. Yeah, like just disgusting. So you're still like, doing I put it, I take it off soaking one thing, and I put it in a bag, and then take it out the next day, and it would make everybody gag around me, and I put it on, and like the crowd would just move away. So it's still not a crowd pleaser. Very, uh, it's hard to describe. I mean, I was, I remember being, I always remember being shocked that there were women at the show. I'd be like, what are you doing here? She'd be like, I feel that I think I walked in the wrong room. Is there like something less disgusting in the next room over? You know, she's like, now, now just drop her drink on the floor and walk the fight. But like, a lot of chin scratching dudes would be like, I felt like this tonight's show was pretty okay. Oh, sure, those guys. We had a lot of those dudes who liked this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, our fans were cool. Were you doing, was that, what was that, noise or was it? It was noisy rock. It was like art rock. Yeah, it was yeah. a two-piece. And it was like, you know, we toured with, uh, we did tours A guitar with like, and a keyboard? Just guitar and drums. Just guitar and drums. Yeah, that yeah. seems hard to me. Actually, it was super simple. I mean, the band was, I, I we we never did a reunion show, really. But Who I, was like, the other guy? Jeff, Jeff Rosenberg. Oh, Rosenberg, Who's yeah. been, he's in uh, Lavender Diamond here uh-huh. and uh, Day, Day Long Valley of the Nile. He's played with a bunch of bands over time. He's old school too. He's like me and him played at the Smell a bunch really early on. Like the only joint that would give us a show in Los Angeles would be the Smell. So we played there fucking over and over and over again. But like those kids were the people that came to our show, so it made perfect sense, you know. So why why San Francisco? What made you go there? It's just a beautiful place, man. I mean, I still love San Francisco. But there was no music out there that no, drew there was you? a ton of. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, there was Deerhoof who yeah. are, have been k- killing it for like well over two decades now. I think like I saw Deerhoof play at Fourth Thunder in Providence. As a noise band, pretty much. Yeah. With different members. This guy, Rob Fisk, who moved up to Alaska. Right. And now they're sort of more like avant pop stuff. But uh, they just, they killed me when I saw them. Um, There's a band called The Deep Throats that I got to do a sort of post uh, Death of the Band record for that came out 15 years after they made it recently when Castleface put it out. They were like a sort of tranny, really, really like angular filthy fucking punk band they were great yeah. really like just yeah. balls fucking yeah. balls all day I remember yeah. I saw them the first time on Mushrooms and uh, just was like looking at the singer being like what is happening right now like just to have my ass handed to me it was on, it was on the show the street with the show was on the street yeah and uh, it was also Chris Johansson used to be in the band who's the painter who lives here back and forth yeah. here in Portland yeah. he's doing really well with painting he was playing bass in the band so that's how I met all those guys yeah but that band was fucking good like I went I, I they were one of those bands when I was young in San Francisco that I went to go see. Every time they played, I would go see that band. And then because of that, all their friends' bands were really good. Like that, so they had like sort of like a gender bending crowd, but very just a unique thing to San Francisco at the time. It was like a really just a dirty ass, like sexy punk, yeah, shitty fucking like lots of saxophones and shit. You're like fucking, who's bringing yeah, saxophones? Right, like right. we are, you know? Yeah, yeah. X-ray specs, like all that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, those bands were totally inspiring and like, but like when I first went there, I didn't see any music. I saw one band called Milai, like a grindcore band from Chicago at a club, and the club was a shithole. What year did you go there? 
That was in like 97. I drove out to San Francisco. We went and checked out God, Austin. I just left. I was there in 93, 94, and oh, I wasn't yeah. seeing much music. It's, it's, I think what happened was it comes in waves very much to San Francisco. Like yeah. Right now, there's maybe a bit of a lull just because of the bullshit people have been doing with. Like, a lot of people have moved to the East Bay. Right. Or to, you know, as, as you know, tons of people have moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, I was able to buy a house here. Whereas up there, like, I got kicked out of four houses that went for sale because I couldn't fucking buy them. Yeah. Know? Just, I was too strung out or too stupid to realize I probably could have gotten a mortgage, but I, as to whether I would have paid it or not was yeah. debatable. Yeah. But the scene seemed like, uh, so you get there in 97, you're not really going out and watching, but you're playing? I wasn't playing right out of the gate. I went and got a, the first thing I did when I got there was sleeping on my friend's back porch. I went out and got a job and an apartment Where that at? week. I, the first job I had was working for uh, just an obnoxiously high, I did a lot of construction and painting in Providence yeah. before I left to make money and I yeah. learned how to paint and cook and shit. So I was able to do all the menial jobs yeah, and yeah, that kind yeah. of shit. So I got a painting gig hooked up by my old boss in Providence set me up with a painting gig in San Francisco. It was a company called The Experts. Uh-huh. That was run by a guy named Ian, this old British guy. And So you just got, you got planted, you got a job. Got a job. Got... I was making okay money, but I had to be up at like 6 a.m. As right. you can tell by looking at me, I'm not really an sure. early morning. Yeah, you yeah. want to do this at 10. I said, how about noon? Like, that's how I roll. Just That's how I've made my life so I don't have to wake up at 6 unless I want to. But, uh... Yeah, I painted, and then I, me and Jeff started a band, and I didn't even want to do the band with him because me and him had already done I was kind of a cunt about it. Which Jeff Rosenberg? Jeff Rosenberg, yeah. yeah. We did Pick a Brown together. Yeah. And then uh, I guess I did I did like a slew of smaller bands over the years, just like little side projects, but Co-Trips and OCs were the other two main ones I did while I was in San Francisco, you know? Yeah. And so when, so when did you start playing? When did you start getting into this scene? Because it seemed like it was pretty quickly but like the, it seemed like there was a, a lot of different strains of music going on i mean there was a lot of metal in san francisco at the time too yeah i mean san francisco but also there was some real hippie you know retro kind of like folky yeah weirdo that music. was sort of after i moved there like that we call that the coke folk like or like leather feather like that kind of like you know like wow man like sequoia is having a party at her house tonight and like you know who are those bands uh, fuck, I don't know any of their names, but I mean, that was an era of San Francisco that became really popular. A lot of, I mean, a lot of bands came out of that. There's a lot of, one thing that was cool about that is people were getting back to the root of just having one person play an acoustic guitar and sing, which right. I'm all about. Like, But was keep, that where Newsom came from, Joanna? Joanna Newsom, I, I guess she did live in San Francisco. She yeah. was always, I mean, her harp playing is incredible. Yeah, was her, the Fleet Foxes, were they Bay They're out of the Northeast, out uh, of oh, the Northwest, oh, rather. I think right. they're in like, uh. I think there's Seattle, maybe, but like San Francisco, yeah. Joanna Newsom, like that kind of shit, like yeah. that became very big there. But that was long after I'd already been there for a while. Like, oh really? We were, we were more in like the. I I I you were already connected a veteran? with like the noise. Yeah, yeah. I was a veteran. Yeah. So that was like when that shit was happening. That was like when I was doing my most drugs. So when you ask me bands names, I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, right, right. I remember just like muckling a friend of mine to keep him from yelling out at the show like i was like Shh, you can't yell it's a guy playing a guitar he's like i'm gonna fuck this up like dragging my buddy out being like what's wrong he's like i don't know it made me mad like so just, you guys were the sweaty kind of like drugged up always dudes. always yeah, yeah i definitely had that vibe of like somebody like uh, get on an elevator and one would like clutch your purse a little bit and i'd be like come on really like no interest in your shit lady but i get it like I, then i would catch a glimpse of myself and i'm like oh she's totally right so that's where the ocs really came into form was there ocs yeah like ocs was originally uh it was this this guy patrick mullins who just actually came out to work with me a little bit here he lives in vermont now but it was me and him basically getting high and just playing music together but like we wanted to do something quiet because i just finished this band called uh coach Whips that was really aggressively noisy yeah how so many did you do records coach Whips did i think three or five records yeah it was like a it was pretty garage rock it was guitar two drums and a little casio keyboard it was me and a girl she 
played maracas and uh-huh. stuff. And I had two sets of bands throughout that band. Yeah. But I wanted to do something really mellow. So OCs kind of started as this like project, literally just acoustic guitar, a microphone, and a guy playing like singing saw. He plays saw and like a, like a snare drum and a, and a kick drum That'd be, uh-huh. or a floor tom. Rather. That was it? Yeah, it was really simple. And then he made homemade electronics. So you'd have like drones going and stuff. So it sort of hit on that, that thing. freak folk thing you're talking yeah. about. Except we were definitely like... That was just you taking Instead a break. Of, we were like smoking meth and yeah. then going out and playing the quietest songs we could, you know? And like and like something about speed was always really funny to me where like people would get really high and then talk really quietly. And like that'd be like, I'd be like this is totally perfect. Get super high and then not be able to talk loud at all anymore. We'd write some really quiet, tiny songs. And, While your brain's on fire. Yeah, I don't even know. Just like laying there breathing through your mouth all night like a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, it was just, but because of that, it's incorporated over time more and more members and yeah, the yeah. music changed and now we're at this rock and roll show kind of you know well where did you meet ty and those guys ty they must have been like 12 he was i think he was 19 when i met him and he or 18 18 or 19 he yeah. it was just random like i had heard about a show that was happening at i think uh danger house records or whatever the fuck it was called it was like a little tiny record store and like sort of uh, on the edge of the outer mission uh, that was like a punk record store that literally like you'd be flipping like Crass Record, Crass Record, blonde, Cheap Blondie Record, you know, right. like, yeah, just, yeah. but only things that would be classified as punk kind of. Where did you live? In the Mission? I lived at that time in the Lower Hate, which is where I had my really good stretch of San Francisco where it was amazing. Was Naked Eye still there? Yeah, Naked Eye. I know Steve. Steve. Sure. Yeah, Steve. Steve. Every day watching that fucking guy go and get, buy a pint of ice cream, just eating ice cream, but being like- I used to go in there all the time when I lived there. So my neighbors all worked, my downstairs neighbors all worked at Naked Eye. There was Miles. Miles? So Miles was my old neighbor for nine. I lived above Miles Miles was like years. the classic video nerd. <laughs> Miles used to tell me, you remind me of a young you, and I'd be like, fuck you. Like, say, <laughs> but I always remember being like, he's a good looking guy, so I can't take that as But he uh, used to sit there behind the counter with his glasses, gla- right? He had like tinted glasses and like blonde flippy hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Completely like Miles the- was my buddy who I lived above for nine years. Oh, wow. He would let us, we would have full on rock shows in our apartment with like people getting fucked up on the street and like the cops would come and Miles would be like, I'll go talk to the cops. He was super cool. He, and he would come up to the show and be like, just like, I'm going to talk to girls. Yeah, like, yeah. He has no interest in talking. He's like, yeah, thanks for having a show. I'm going to go talk to that girl. And yeah. then the cops would come and be like, you let me deal with this. Yeah. And he'd be like over there like flipping his hair on the cop. Be like, oh, thanks a lot, Miles. Okay, well, keep him in line. You know, he's like of that age where the cops are like, this, what are you, the dad? Here? Yeah, the hipster grown up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember Miles. Because when I was doing comedy there, I didn't have nothing to do. I was living on South Van Ness. It was I like lived on 19th. South Venice on 18th next to the Whizburger for a while. I was right there like at 22nd, I've 23rd. I lived all over that city. Yeah, and I, I was living with this hippie couple who owned the house, and we had the I hope bottom. they still own that joint. They're probably worth a few million. I hope so, Terry. I don't know if, uh, I wonder if he's still alive. He wasn't the healthiest dude. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and there was just nothing to do. I'd go to Muddy Waters, I'd get jacked, or I'd go to Horseshoe a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that weird, huge dude? He used to wander around, kind of crazy guy. I forget his name, but uh, he was—he would show up at rock shows too. He was like a giant, hmm. but he was a little. Maybe he was already gone. I can't fucking remember his name, but he was always around. But I used to love the the horseshoe, that brown sugar and coffee business, where they just have that fucking brown sugar. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, clumped. You have to like yeah, knock yeah, it yeah. on the counter. Knock That's different. very San Francisco too. Yeah, the pints of coffee, man. Yep. 
just getting jacked. Yeah, Muddy Waters is, I, as far as I know, Muddy Waters is still there, and there's still so. a guy behind the counter being like, you can't fucking shoot up in here, dude. <laughs> like, just being like, like that place was always the place where you go in, and they, they'd have free internet, but there'd always be like, you go yeah. to use the toilet, and it'd, it'd be like a blue light bulb and like a combination yeah, code to get right, in. Right, exactly, in the back. Yeah. And I was there when the internet happened, where they, it was like, it was before email and shit, mm -hmm. you could go sit in coffee shops and be, you know, have conversations with mm -hmm. dudes at other coffee shops. And that was it. That was the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. And now look where we are. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore, man. No, no, <laughs> you can do it right from your house. <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so that, so you built the band though, right? I mean, after Rose, after the, you know, the, the Casio and the drones, I mean, you made a rock band at some point. Oh, we were talking yeah. about Ty. So, so you oh, saw I, Ty. So, so I went to this show. This is actually pretty funny. I went to the show. I didn't know who Ty was. I don't know if I'd heard about his band or maybe I went to see his band specifically. It was this band called Traditional Fools that yeah. he still does reunions with. It's right. of his buddies. But uh, I went there and they were just really fucking good. It was like a, it was like pretty straight garage, which is not something I go search out anymore, but they were, they did it really well. The yeah. ceiling was like, like I'd be walking and my hair would be brushing the ceiling. That's how low it was. Like yeah, it was yeah. like a, literally a basement, like a dirt floor and like crushed beer cans. This right. band was playing and he had a broken hand with a cast on and he had stuffed a drumstick into the hole and was playing drums with the cast with like this cheesy stick <laughs> sticking out. And I was just like, this kid's a badass. And then <laughs> yeah. we talked and then I saw him after that. Do yeah. a solo. He started off doing solo sets. We just play guitar and play foot drums, yeah. you know? Right. And uh, it was just really good. And we started talking. I took him to a bar to talk to him about doing a record, his first record as himself. And uh, his buddy came in with me and then he, Ty was like, hey, can you just grab his ID and bring it back out and give it to me? And I was like, how old are you? And I gave him his buddy's ID who looked fucking nothing like right. him, like a yeah. tall blonde guy with yeah. short hair. And I gave Ty the ID and we walk in and the guy at the door looks at the ID and then he looks at Ty and then he looks at me and he's just like, asshole. And then just let him go in and he's like, whatever, dude. I don't, like we had known each other from me going to that bar, but I was, right. like, I was like, sorry, dude. He's like, what the fuck are bringing a kid here? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your nephew? And you talked to him? Yeah, and we made the first record. He was actually the second record that I put out on Castle Face after the only other one I'd done before that was my own. So me and this guy, Brian Lee Hughes, who started the label together, put out Ty's first record. And now it's me and this guy, Matt Jones, doing it years later. And you put like, out like, a few of his records, right? We put out Ty's very first solo record. And you did one with him and Cronin? Him, no, we didn't do that. That was in the red, I think. Yeah. And we did a seven inch. I think that's it, really. Yeah. Did you play Jesus, with him? Did he... We toured with Ty a lot. Oh, see, like Ty opened up for us early on when he was doing a solo show. We did a, a whole month together. We played a slew of shows, shows together. But every year now, we've been doing a charity gig together where, like, me and him would play a show and switch headlining slots for some local charity in LA or some shit, you know. So you guys are still tight, and it's good. He was around I, here. I was too, at right? the medieval times with last him last night, night man. Cronin, yeah. I watched him scream at a guy with a with a lance, which I thought was pretty ballsy. <laughs> but yet we were fans of the Yellow Knight. It turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but so what is the mostly the so do you make money at the label um the label makes money off of oc's records and like uh king gizzard we put out some of their shit and tie like and white fence perhaps yeah like, some of the bigger stuff does and some of the smaller records break even and make a little bit of money too it's uh it's tricky you know i mean it's just a tricky business but we also we have a high output we're putting out like two things a month so so that's like you you're really in it you're you're making records and you're putting tons records of records out yeah my partner is a real workaholic too so he loves the business end of it but i've been 
pushing on him maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit so we can actually stop losing all the money that my band makes the label <laughs> and putting it out on records that aren't necessarily making money and it just the, seems like a bad business choice you know but it's like it's it's interesting that there was a period there where you know before cds sort of took over everything where like these small labels were around but they couldn't really find a way and now that vinyl's back and this music it's is hugely awesome and, that, and there's us. all these deep rabbit holes of, of music nerddom mm-hmm because I look at like you know there if I read your wiki page you're like there there are outlets commenting on you know sort of the lineups of your bands and whether or not so, like there's definitely people that are feverishly into your world mm-hmm. and that you know took what years to build right 23 years of touring now I think or 22 years of touring and now what kind of like what size rooms do you usually kind of jam I mean, it depends here. I always prefer to play a middle-sized club and do it multiple nights. So in New York, we'll play three or four nights at like the Bowery or Warsaw. We'll right. Just do a few shows because yeah. a lot of not that I have a problem with bigger clubs, but yeah. I prefer like I'd like a like a thousand or less club because then the show still like the people. When I go to a show at a club that has like three thousand people or something, and I'm standing right. at the back, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, like <laughs> it's just not the same thing. Where you can't get that weird just, intimacy. It's like, it's like you're grit. wearing thirty condoms and you're not right. you're not in the moment at all. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I always preferred to play. Mul- I, I like doing multiple nights too because then for the, the pure fact of laziness, I can load the gear and we do one sound check or whatever, and then leave the fucking gear there for three days. Sure. And I can go fuck off. Yeah. And our sound guys like, do you want to do sound check? And I'm like, we already. The did. Hell, why the hell would we do that again? He's yeah. like, okay, I guess we'll just go eat again. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. Going to Veselka and New York, little, just right, like, yeah. how many pierogies can you fit in that thing? Sure. So you get a like you get a residency going for yeah. a couple of nights. I, and yeah, and we also a lot of the places we play, we really get along with them. So in like SF, we'll play at the Chapel like three nights, but this time around, we're doing Great American for two nights. Oh yeah, that's a big room. Yeah, I mean it's that's not that big though. It just looks big. I think it's like eight hundred or yeah, something yeah. like that. But it's also it's at the we were gonna try and do three nights, but it's at the end of a month long tour and like tacking on one more night. So it's like and being so close to home, you're like, yeah, just do two nights. Again. And, I, and I imagine that unlike bands that you know were punk bands at the beginning, a lot of the the crowd are like you know guys my age. I think that you probably have a lot. We of, have a pretty we're pretty lucky with our spectrum. Like our, we have a pretty broad still, spectrum crowd, right? Because you yeah. still appeal. Like I mean the the music is. Pretty I get old vital. guys who are like this reminds reminds me of this band that they don't know about and, they, sure. and I'm like that's a good band you know yeah, yeah, I, my yeah. favorite are like the old English guys are <laughs> like fucking hell they'll like walk up and be like what the fucking I like and his older friend they'd be like two old drunk guys and yeah. be like I brought him because he doesn't know shit and he's yeah. like I loved it yeah, I fucking yeah. loved it yeah yeah this is my daughter like his daughter's right. like you, you know, remind them of a, of, a, of a music that, that no one knows anymore. Yeah. Or I way. get to meet like little kids, like some guy will be there with this kid with like headphones on, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like sound protecting headphones, like a little baby. So how, like, so the audience is now, because the records, there's so many records. How many records? Like 20? <laughs> uh, 19 as of the one I have coming out now. 19 full lengths, but there's been a slew of EPs and And there's a and constant collection. evolution, like Floating Coffin is, is straight up kind of psych rock almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little garagey. Yep. You know, the vocals are a little further back mm-hmm. and that got a little echo to it, right? Yeah, Am we're I... getting a little bit more in the front. Right, front, yeah, yeah, man. And who's the woman that sings on... Uh, Bridget uh, Dawson. Who? Bridget Dawson. And she's been with you a lot, right? Me and her have been working together on and off for like... Maybe ten or fifteen years now. Yeah, yeah. I've known Bridget's the best. She's like my sister. I've known her for she. She's work. She just came up. We me and her are working on a bunch of stuff together right now. So yeah, and that the the one like odd, uh, an odd entrance is that is that like um was that 
stuff that you recorded for a weird exit that didn't make it on or it what? was just we recorded like two records worth of shit but yeah. it was like I, as i was like orchestrating the first record to come on i realized that there was like a batch of other songs that were a little bit more ethereal or far out or or like a little bit that record in my opinion was like a fans only kind of thing uh-huh which is like this which is one for, an odd entrance and, and on entrances yeah. is more like for people who already like the band this is not a place for somebody to start because right. then you get in like nah, i don't really get it you know like or like where would you tell people to start um hmm. i mean it depends if if it depends what they like because we have a few different directions I think that we work with. We have, uh, if they like the live show a lot, then yeah. I'll, I'll always recommend the newest record because frankly, once I get past something, I get sick of it really right. quick. Like I, yeah. I loathe everything I've done once a year has gone by. Really? Yeah, you know? kind of. I mean, there's moments here and there where I'm like, every now and then I'll fantasize be like, I'm going to do a double LP of greatest hits. And I'd be like, if I had to pick one song from every record, and there's some records where I'm like, blech. Like, I just like, <laughs> can't that, do that, it. Can't, but you'd have to pick one song. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking know. Like, the one that the people liked, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but there's like a lot of, like things like, for instance, records that people really like are ones that I would recommend. Like, uh, like Floating Coffin was a big hit because that was the first one we hit where it's like pretty aggressively recorded. Yeah. And it's, very close to the live show right uh, really like kind of we were getting really like the rock and live show yeah so that's a good one yeah. but then there's also like you know more acoustic records that we made that i would recommend like early on um, yeah there's a record called like hounds of foggy notion that has a dvd that comes with us playing it outside all over san francisco and it's recorded just with one microphone and it's very intimate and you guys have that available still no <laughs> but you can find it on ebay <laughs> i don't actually i want to repress it we've been talking to this guy about doing a vhs of it talking yeah. about some hipster retro well, if it's your label why wouldn't you keep everything in production um because we do keep almost everything in production honestly that did not come out on our label that came out on a label that was an affiliate a permanent called h hsbx uh-huh capture records yeah. is like a, um but uh this guy ben put that out so i need to get in touch with him we've been to, i've been talking and I, this is like on the <laughs> list of many things i need to do but me and yeah. matt my partner have been talking about getting this repressed because it was like people like that record you know and what's that other label that ty records on sometimes god no uh oh in in the red nah the one drag that, city drag city yeah yeah, yeah, yeah drag yeah. city is, does all the ty stuff now as far as i know yeah pretty yeah. much unless ty does like a one-off with are you somebody. guys friends with them um i've met them yeah. i don't really know them yeah you know, like they're like i mean it's just like uh, I don't know if all label guys know each other. We've we've shook hands. I've met I've sure. met one dude a bunch of times because he's always at ties. There's shows. no conferences. There's no like no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't. I just don't really know him. So um, well. So you're gonna. So you got a new record coming out in August. Yes, right? August 12th. And you're touring, like you took a break and now you're back Leaving in Leaving two days, we're going to Poland. Have you ever France. been to Poland? Yes, Poland's fucking great. We're playing a festival called Off. Last time we played there, the people in the crowd broke a hole in the floor and I watched security rushing over to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, I thought they were going to like stop the show because it was literally like a three foot hole. But instead the security guards climbed down into the hole and stood back to back and just kept the crowd from falling in the hole and I remember making eye contact with him and the guy gave me a thumbs up he's like no no it's okay and I was like I love Poland like they and afterwards they're like great show and I was like I can't believe it they're like we don't want the people to get hurt and I was like that's not like security guards that I know who are like I'm gonna choke I wonder what kid. it's gonna be like because politically it's kind of crazy now. I actually don't know what the hell's going on in Poland right now I have no idea well yeah slight nationalistic bent you know that seems to be really popular these days what's going on man I just <laughs> wonder how it trickles these down franchise youth um, right I wonder what yeah I, I imagine Poland, they're always the thing there. about Europe in my opinion compared to the states or even the UK a little bit is yeah. that people are really sensitive to fascism and shit over there more so than we are because we didn't live it as yeah. much as they, it wasn't on our turf we right. were fighting it they've been through it but like they were like getting they were the ones getting fucking bombed right. you know so it's like 
I know stories about like somebody calling somebody a Nazi over there and getting decked immediately yeah, right. because it's horseshit to call somebody over there. So like stuff like that, like that's why like Le Pen didn't make it because people right. are starting to fight back. Right. And London, you did you do good there? Yeah, we just played there. We played there. Fuck, we just played on the night of that fucking shooting on uh, on the bridge, which was oh, pretty intense. It yeah. happened while we were on stage. Wow. So it seems like that is becoming the norm to like hear terrible news when you when wake you up. Get off stage. When you get off stage, you're like, oh, uh, fucking, yeah, you know. Yeah. Sam Shepard just died. You're like, what uh, the fuck, man? Like That was sad. Oh, man. Well, we're of that age now where everybody we like is going to start that, dying. That's that, true, man. Every, somebody was saying the other day, like, people are dying really quick. And I was like, no, no man, you're not. getting old. I was like, yeah. all these guys were fucking 20 when you were zero. And they had and they had a strong hold on their thing. Like, you know, these mm-hmm. cats that kind of like, you know, like Bowie gave so Dude, much Bowie. Built the whole our brain cried. I watched. Yeah, but it, he, they, he built my brain. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's so obviously they're going to get it's old. Like somebody in your family dying. Yeah, but you know, it's like, I mean, how many of the most recent records I you really listen to, but it didn't matter. It was like, you just knew he was here. Yeah. And now he's true. not here, yeah. except for the music. Did you listen? To, I've been listening to that last one. It's fucking great. It's crazy. Especially in to know that in band, retrospect dude. while he was writing it. It's like, he to me is like, uh, what do you, like, you do, do you know Scott Walker? Yeah. Do you, like his Bowie and Scott Walker both of these like crooning I mean obviously on very different ends of the spectrum of yeah. even who knows who they are but like both of them kept going further and further out yeah. like Bowie stopped doing like his like what he knew would sell and right. was like bring me the best electronic drummer you know just yeah, like yeah. didn't give a shit anymore and you got like Scott Walker making records with the guys punching sides of beef and shit for the percussion. I know, I gotta like, get more into Scott Walker. I've only got a couple records. Just start at the beginning, man, and keep moving. He's great. But, All right. Uh, but it's like another thing. It's like, a, you know, heavy personalities. and Yeah. I, like, I, we just saw Iggy Pop play at FYF oh, here. Great. And fucking dude. It's great. That dude's a wolf. It's I great. can't. How is he still yeah, alive? And he's still, he looks great. And know? he's so lucid. I had him in here, and he's like... You, you know, oh, he, really? That's awesome. It was great. He, every time I've ever seen him, they take him off stage and they throw him in a car. He's like laying down like a rug. They pick him up, toss him in a car, and the car just drives away. And well, like, Rollins told me that, you know, there's a real difference between Jim Osterberg and I- Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you sit down, off like you're light. talking to Jim. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's like, he's his memory's great. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he's got... Dude's got all the stories, man. And, and he knows them, though, because, like, you make these assumptions about dudes that live a certain life and get to a certain age. Like, they got to be, out, you know, just brain dead or mm-hmm. whatever, but... Nope. Not. I don't think it seemed to me. I mean, even those guys were partying, but like some some of those dudes were cut out to withstand the torments right. of and, and drug of, use or or touring or whatever. The right, fuck. and a lot of them, the the myth, uh, you know, it, it gets held in time, whereas they've moved on. Oh yeah, they're not like, they're not doing dope anymore. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The last thing Keith You're Richards like, wants to talk about is dope. Yeah. But then you get those guys who are of that age that are still getting Doping. high. Yeah, 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 like I get I get a seven year old guy not too long ago. He's like, can you get me meth? And I'm like, come on, dude. dude I don't want to be the guy. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy that killed you. <laughs> Like, I, I refuse to have my name with yours Attached in the paper it. when you're dead. They're like, oh, and then this yeah. twat bought him the speed. I'm like, it's just a picture of me like, I didn't know. I, I think, thought he could handle it. But I think some of them, like like we were talking about before, like some of them might do a little bump to get the juices going, but they're not living the life. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I'm 42 now, and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> you got to be out of your goddamn mind. I'm like, have a pint of beer. Why don't you have yeah, a drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you go watch Game of Thrones. You know, What's wrong with you? You don't like, want to smoke any meth before yeah, you go yeah. on? That's a three-day investment. Just fucking me like a weekend at Bernie's like on stage like pulling a string so he looks like he's dancing I'm like this was a huge mistake that idea the strings are kind of cool though yeah well it was good talking to you John cheers man there you go there you that did that get you up to speed on the Dwyer experience the uh the OCS OC's new record uh November 17th 
But look up Dwyer. Look him up and just get all get a, go into it, man. It's a whole rabbit hole of uh, shit there. I will play some music, much like all the music I've always played. Someday, someday I will transcend the groove that I am stuck in.